Hello, it's Jeff Harrison, and this is episode 13 of my podcast, As Life Goes By. Hello, episode 13, me and the BBC. Or should it be the BBC and I? Or one and the BBC? Anyway, it was the BBC. I was reminded recently of my short tenure on the BBC many years ago as a local investment expert. It seems a very long while ago now, and it probably was. We had a PR company who were tasked with the job of improving our company profile. The local BBC, Radio Cambridgeshire, had slots to fill during the day, so it was a match made in heaven. I duly arrived on the first morning armed, as Oscar Wilde would have said, only with my genius and an overwhelming love of my own voice. I sat in the waiting room with a programme playing in the background. It reminded me a little of the dentist's waiting room on the day of a particularly difficult wisdom tooth extraction. The previous guest was a solicitor who had been struggling with nerves and the famously awkward presenter made the listening experience excruciating. All of a sudden I heard, as if in a dream, my name being announced and I was ushered into the studio as a hapless solicitor was firmly removed. The presenter barely looked at me as he hissed through clenched teeth. I hope you've got more idea than that. Uh, I can't say the word. I don't think we were live on air at the time. Fortunately, my youthful confidence knew no bounds. He told me to treat our talk as a chat between the two of us and not take into account the many thousands listening. I knew that he had overstated the possible audience by a country mile. It was local radio after all. I also had in mind the definition of an expert, as someone who knows a whisker more than the person he is addressing. I would be fine. He bowled me a few questions we had previously furnished him with, so that I was able to come straight back with smart Alec answers. We then moved into a phone-in with some nice easy questions. Fortunately, none of my colleagues were listening, so there were no tricky ones. All too soon, the 40 minutes were up, and I could tell by the atmosphere and the studio that it had not gone too badly. Fortunately, I was called upon to fill slots on a regular basis after that and I soon settled into a routine whereby they felt they could trust me not to swear live on air, and they could ring and say, can you do 40 minutes on Tuesday? I was always free for them, and would ask what subject they wanted me to cover. Leave it up to you, they replied. I've never felt the same about journalists since. I did not tell friends at first, and my wife was just too nervous to listen, so I recorded it for her to be played back if I returned from the studio with my nerves intact. It all seemed to go swimmingly, really, until a new producer took on the show and I went out to be replaced by a piece on beekeeping. I've missed it ever since and have been patiently waiting for my comeback, all is forgiven, call. Episode 13 continued, coming out. Hello, my name is Jeff. And I'm a campanologist. Hello, Jeff. There, I've come out at last. A lot of people have a vague idea about bell ringing. They know it exists, but I'm not exactly sure why. A bit like Morris dancing, really. 
My wife and I were persuaded to learn ringing at our local church to celebrate the millennium. That would be the 1999-2000 one, not the previous one. As in so many things, my wife picked it up easily. For me, not so good. If I can refer you back to my attempt at water skiing, for bell ringing, you need a sense of rhythm and a sense of humour. I'm still laughing, even if nobody else is. I quickly identified that if I chose the biggest bell, I would not be too involved in the intricacies of change ringing. All I would be required to do is to keep going at the same pace while the others dodged around me. The bell I look after is about the weight of a small car and to have it swinging about on the end of a piece of rope is quite an enlivening process. There are many methods to be mastered. One of my favourites is Cambridge Surprise, which my chums have off pat, but to me it is a constant, well, you get the picture. I should also say that Titums always raises a smile, although not for the right reasons. We practice on a Monday, despite the neighbours, but the church was there first. We ring for services and I've been able to ring for two of my daughter's weddings and my father and in-law's funerals. Quite a nice thing to do. We love having American visitors, and I should say here, I'm not including our family in this, we love to have them hear us ring. It just confirms their Hollywood view of what goes on here in foggy old London. The bells were first installed around 1627, and I don't mean half past four, I mean the year 1627. They were refurbished in 1872 and completely taken out and put back in a new frame in 2005. We were able to help, unsurprisingly, not with the first two, which was fascinating. The process was satisfyingly low-tech, with all six bells lowered to the floor by hand with much grunting and unchristian-like language. We went to the bell foundry in Sheffield to see them being refurbished. All I can tell you about the area that the foundry was in was that I parked outside on the street by an official council sign telling me that curb crawlers in the area had been and would continue to be prosecuted. I told the ladies in our party not to hang about. Inside it was wonderfully Dickensian, with elfin safety nowhere to be seen. It is a dirty and dangerous business. Back to the sign outside again. Most of the employees seemed to be missing a finger or tooth, but there was no doubting the craftsmanship involved, particularly the inscriptions, which had to be done in a sort of mirror script. It was quietly miraculous. So we move into the Christmas season with lots of ringing in prospect. We usually ring out the old year just before midnight and the new year in just after. All has, has been done in our lovely old church for getting on for 400 years.